0: This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for not coming. Yes, my audience is watching remote on Zoom today. We have some serious social distancing going on. This is episode 51. In this episode, I will tell the story of Park Barner, perhaps the greatest American ultra runner of the 1970s, also referred to as the Human Metronome. If you don't know, a metronome keeps a steady beat for musicians. Barner could keep a steady pace for hours. OK, I get it. Goodbye, Win. Goodbye Win. Wow, with no sports going on, cheerleaders came to cheer my podcast over Zoom. Nice! Now to the story. Park Barner of Pennsylvania was one of the greatest American ultrarunners of the 1970s. He was the first competitive American ultrarunner to become broadly known outside the ultrarunning community. He was shy, disarmingly humble, and a man of few words. He avoided the spotlight, never was a self-promoter, and was known for his relentless metronome pace rather than speed. Barner won, and he won often. At one time he held the world record for the 24-hour run and other ultra-distance American records. But he said he didn't really need trophies or wins to feel satisfied. To him, running was something he enjoyed doing. He said, It makes me feel good. I sort of feel like a kid. He was called the Lonely Machine, the American Record, the Human Treadmill, and the Human Metronome for his even-paced racing. One who knew him well wrote, What Park has done is merely to shatter the existing standards of what the human body is physiologically capable of doing. He is establishing himself as a living legend in the ultra-distance events. Today few runners have heard about Park Barner. Here is his story. Park Ivan Barner Jr. was born January 13, 1944 in Pennsylvania. His Barner ancestors immigrated to the Pennsylvania Dutch region during the 1700s and lived there for six generations around the Harrisburg area. His father, Park Ivan Barner Sr., was an electrical technician and in military service when Park was born. He soon went away to serve with the army in World War II while Park was only an infant. Park Barner was on the track team in high school and ran the mile. His best time was 5.45 in school and he never ran a mile faster than 5.19 in his lifetime. In his 1961 high school yearbook, it was written about him. If you need to know any scores in sports and don't feel like looking them up, just ask Park, who is also interested in collecting coins and stamps. His school activities include art editor for the yearbook, choir, and track. He served in the army in Germany during the late 1960s. While there, he watched a movie that inspired him to start running. He said, I remember coming home and getting out a piece of paper and drawing a track on it and writing the words RUN in big letters. I went right out and ran three miles. After returning to the United States in 1968, he was stationed at Fort Devens in Massachusetts. One evening, after a ball game, he decided to walk the 38 miles back to the base. He went through the night and finished at 10 a.m. in the morning. Soon after, he started running seriously at the age of 24. Barner said, Nothing special got me into running. It's just wanting to run farther and farther all the time. Running just made me feel better. In 1969, after spending four years in the Army, as he was getting ready for civilian life, he was told by an Army doctor looking at his aching knees, You'd better forget about running. But Barner had been dreaming about running the Boston Marathon, and after he got out of the Army, he started to seriously train. Three months later, he finished Boston slowly in 5.16. He said, I think I was about 900th. I ran the first eight miles and limped the rest of it in. I had tendonitis in my left knee. At the 1971 Boston Marathon, he met ultra-running legend Ted Corbett and asked him, How do you run 100 miles? Ted's reply was, You just have to tell yourself to keep going. Barner finished Boston that year in 250. He was inspired by Corbett and was ready to go further. Barner, at the age of 27, in 1971, started running ultra-distance races. In the 1970s, Barner ran the country's preeminent 50-mile races regularly. One of these races was the Metropolitan 50 held in Central Park in New York City. The race began in 1971 and attracted many elite runners who later progressed to the 100-mile distance. The race was held on weekends when car traffic was not allowed into the park. It was often the 50-mile national championship. One runner described races in Central Park, That park is crowded, not with race participants, but with people on training runs, joggers, walkers, bikers, skateboarders, or roller skaters. Dealing with these hordes during the late stages of a race presented an interesting problem. At the 1972 Metropolitan 50, Barner went into the lead at mile 36 and continued on to claim the win in 6.04, the first 50-mile race he ever ran. He wept with joy. It was the first time he had ever led and won a race. He ran that race nearly every year, and he finished it ten times. In 1972, Barner also ran the JFK 50 in Maryland. The JFK 50 originated in 1963. It was organized by the Cumberland Valley Athletic Club and was hiked as part of the 1963 50-mile craze ke nedy Jack's the nation's favorite guy. Everyone wants to back Jack. Jack is on the right track. The JFK 50, of course, mostly on dirt, covered miles on the Appalachian Trail and on the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal towpath. The race was a private club hike for the first several years, but by 1969, it was open to the public, caught the attention of runners, and started to grow rapidly each year. When Barner first ran the JFK 50 in 1972, he competed with an astonishing 1,075 hikers and runners. For the 1972 race, the weather that day was cold, with a high in the 30s, but Barner only wore shorts. After the first 16 miles, he was leading, 13 minutes ahead of the course record pace. But once off the Appalachian Trail, he slowed on the C&O Canal towpath. He said, I felt tired all over that last part of the race. I knew I was losing the record, but I felt done in and just wanted to finish. He won in 6.29. Asked about the course, he replied, This is the toughest course I've ever seen. England deserves much of the credit in the 1950s for re-establishing ultras in the modern era and specifically the 50 miler. The London to Brighton 52 miler began as an official running race in 1951. Ted Corbett of New York City established post-war ultra-distance races again in America as a means to qualify to run London to Brighton. Barner quickly knew that he needed to make the pilgrimage to run London to Brighton. He ran the famed race in October 1972 and finished 12th in 5.56, the only American finisher that year. The Lake Waramog 50 mile and 100 kilometer race in Connecticut started in 1974. The course was fast, a 7.59 mile paved road loop around the lake. For many years, it was the unofficial national championship for the 100k distance. After you finished 50 miles, you could choose to continue on and finish the 100k distance too. Barner ran Lake Waramog in its inaugural year, 1974. This was Barner's first 100k race. He won, beating Ted Corbett, with a time of 7.37, setting an American record for 100K. Along the way, he also won the 50-miler in a blazing time of 5.55. He would win the 100K there for the next two years and finish the Lake Warramog 100K nine consecutive years. It became his favorite race. By 1974, Barner was no longer a newcomer in American ultra-running. He was becoming the best ultra-runner in America. Barner had his eyes on a new, very long super-marathon of 300 kilometers, or 186 miles. The race was held in November 1974. He went to Washington, D.C. to run the length of the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal dirt towpath from Georgetown to the canal's end at Cumberland, Maryland, Construction of the canal began on July 4, 1828, with President John Quincy Adams symbolically breaking ground. Though originally designed to reach the Ohio River in Pittsburgh, limited funding and engineering practicality set the final destination at Cumberland, Maryland. 35,000 laborers spent 22 years constructing the full canal. Thanks to the work of William Douglas, the canal was taken in by the National Park Service, repaired and turned into a massive park. Today, 5 million tourists a year visit the canal. Runners ran this race in three days, 100k each day. No one had ever run the canal in three days. Barner covered the 100k segments with amazing consistency and speed, 752, 812, and 748. He averaged 742 mile pace spread over the three days for a total time of 23 hours 53 minutes. Two years later, in 1976, Barner wanted to try to run the CNO Canal race straight through in less than 40 hours. The race started in front of the Watergate Hotel with nine starters. He ran the first 100k in 8.50 to win that part of the contest, and then continued on. All went well until dark. Barner had run 75 miles by then, but he started tripping over fallen branches. The temperature fell to 18 degrees, and twice he had to remove his shoes and socks to wade through waist-deep water where the running path had been flooded. At 3 a.m., he started nodding off, and the urge to lie down was overpowering but in extreme cold, he might never have it awakened, So he kept shouting, no, I've got to keep going and plugged on. He reached the 100 mile mark in 1614. He then ate, slept in his crew car for a half hour and felt better. He said, once I got in the car, they had the heater running and I napped for about a half hour. But when I warmed up, I started shivering. Once I started running again, I felt like I was just starting out fresh. In the morning, he stopped to eat a pancake breakfast with his crew. When we got back in the car, where I was supposed to catch a little more sleep, we discovered a flat tire. By the time they had taken care of it, I had had a break of almost four hours where I had only covered three miles. After that break, he was able to average nine-minute miles. Later on, his crew couldn't find him for a while. Somehow, he had missed a planned checkpoint. Four hours later, he became dehydrated and had resorted to walking. At mile 156, luckily his crew showed up and took care of him during a 35-minute break. He drank his favorite drink of orange juice mixed with honey. Barner finished in 36 hours, 48 minutes, 34 seconds. None of the other five entrants finished. Barner was famous for his back-to-back runs. For example, in 1973, he finished a 50K race in Vermont, and the very next day finished third at the inaugural Harrisburg Marathon. In 1977, he set a course record of 6.13 on the Stone Mountain 50-miler in Georgia. After finishing, he then boarded a bus and rode 19 hours to arrive five minutes before the 7 a.m. start of the Maryland's Beltview Marathon. The bus seat was so cramped that he could not even bend over to change into fresh socks. He ran in them again and finished in 3.01. Later it was written about Barner. Normal men do not attempt ultra-distance races or even marathons two days in a row. But Barner has run 14 back-to-backs, as he calls them, nine of them combinations of marathons and runs of 50 miles or more. And he says, quote, I usually felt better the second day. On August 16, 1974, Barner ran his first 100-mile race. It was held on a quarter-mile track at New York's Queensborough Community College. There were only seven starters, and all but Barner dropped out along the way. He won with a time of 13.40 for a lifetime best. In 1977, Barner accomplished one of his many long solo journey runs between cities. He ran from the Washington DC capital to the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania capital, 106 miles in 18 hours 41 minutes. Barner would race with a relentless metronome pace rather than using blazing speed at the beginning of a race. Frequently, he would run the second half of a race faster than the first half, producing rare negative ultra splits. While other runners were meticulous about their diet, Barner gave little thought to diet and ate whatever he wanted. He says he rarely eats steak or chicken, and his normal lunch on a workday consists of a bag of peanuts, popcorn, or corn chips. He also takes wheat germ oil and multivitamins with minerals. He had the reputation of being very durable, only wearing a t-shirt and shorts when running in sub-freezing weather. By 1978, Barner had finished 41 races of 50 miles or longer and won 19 of them. In June 1978, the New York Roadrunners Club started to put on yearly 100-mile races at Flushing Meadows, the site of the 1964 World's Fair. The course that year was on a paved 2.27 loop around Meadow Lake. Runners would run 44 loops. Barner was among the 21 invited starters who ran in the first Unisphere 100. The race started at 4 p.m. and Barner ran alone, apart from the others, and took off uncharacteristically fast from the start. By 50 miles at 5.59, he lapped everyone else in the field. During the night, the officials placed candles in bags around the lake at locations where there weren't street lamps. There was no fence around the lake. We worried that when runners lost concentration after 60 miles, they might fall into the lake. Barner reached mile 75 in just under 10 hours and cruised to the wind with a time of 13 hours, 57 minutes. His only complaint was that the course was too flat. I would have preferred a few hills barner was ready to try his hand at a 24-hour race he set his sights on running at glassboro new jersey at the end of october in 1978. two weeks before his attempt he ran from pittsburgh to harrisburg 203 miles with no sleep and only three meals in less than 37 hours at the 24-hour race there were nine starters who ran on a cinder track at the state college Don Choi, the American record holder, pushed a fast pace and built up an 18-lap lead on Barner. Choi dropped out at mile 113, and Barner took the lead. During the race, he drank three quarts of Gatorade, two quarts of diluted orange juice, one quart of coffee, and one and a half gallons of water. Before power bars existed, Barner would eat frozen chocolate cookie dough during his ultras. He ran strongly to the end and finished with 152 miles, a new American record. After the race, he commented that he could have run 300 miles and wondered when someone would hold a 48-hour race. Hungry for more races, after only a two-hour nap, he drove to Maryland to run a 50-miler the next day, where he finished in fifth in 8.16. After that amazing accomplishment, Barner was featured in the November 1978 Sports Illustrated magazine. The article mentioned that he never did stretching exercises. He said, It's a waste of time. Let other people do it. Why should I do something that wastes my time? Asked if he ever pulled a muscle, he said once when he was trying to run fast in high school. Five days a week, his workout consists of two four-mile jogs to and from his office in the State Department of Revenue building in Harrisburg, where he works as a computer programmer. He rarely goes faster than eight-minute miles. He carries his office clothes bundled up in his hand, and he wears nothing more than a t-shirt and shorts, even in 10-degree weather. Asked if he ever catches a cold, he said he did once in 1972. Barner was human. In January 1979, he was favored to win the American National Championship 100K in Miami on a 3.3-mile loop with 83 runners. The heat bothered him terribly, and he finished 12th. Frank Bozenich smashed Barner's 100K American record by winning with 651. In June 1979, Barner was invited to go to California to Huntington Beach to compete in a 24-hour run. There, he broke the world record for 24 hours by one mile, running 162 miles. For the 649 laps, Barner lost 8 pounds and drank 17 quarts of liquid that weighed about 42 pounds. He said, I didn't stop and only had one bathroom stop and that was it. About the record, he said, It was something that just happened. After I ran 100 miles, I felt the best I'd had the whole run. I knew I had a shot at the record. Barner received an invitation to appear on The Tonight Show hosted by Johnny Carson. He turned it down because he preferred to save his vacation days for traveling to ultras. He did later appear on the network show PM Magazine. Later, the world record wasn't accepted by those in the U.S. trying to control running records at the time because the race did not record lap times as was required, even though protocol had been given ahead of time to the race director. The lap recorders checked off each lap and only recorded the time of each mile with a clock time, hours, and minutes without seconds. Barnard said he wasn't disappointed because of the technicality but Honest History does include this record, one of Barner's greatest accomplishments. For December 1979, Barner logged a staggering 754 miles to close out the year, with 5,299 total miles. In January 1980, Barner ran 689 miles. He explained, I don't like to think of running as training so i try to accomplish something when i run last month i had jury duty in carlisle so i ran the 31 miles there each day a couple of times i ran home and took the long way which is 51 miles in march 1980 barna ran a 48-hour race on a track at miami he had trained 23 miles per day for three months and had his eye on breaking the world record which was thought to be 204 miles it was actually 258 miles set back in 1882. he said the question wasn't whether he could break the record but rather by how much it's a cinch i'd have to break a leg to miss setting the record i'll be disappointed if i don't do at least 275 miles a news reporter observed Despite his ability to stagger the imagination, Barner is so quiet and unassuming. Although confident, he could never be accused of bragging or of arrogance. His modesty has cost him a ton of publicity and possible business deals. Barner reached 51 miles in a blazing 747, but during the next 50 miles he slowed. He said, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I know I never trained harder for a race. He covered 115 miles on the first day, but on day two, a terrible thunderstorm dumped heavy rain on the track, and the area was under a tornado warning. When Barner could hardly walk, he quit after 133 miles. The race was stopped at 32 hours, 25 minutes. All runners were ordered off the track, and two hours later, the race was canceled for runner safety, spoiling one of the earliest 48-hour races in modern US history. Barner said, I spent a lot of money getting here, but it's not as disappointing as you might think. I've recently discovered that there are other things in life that you can turn to. He indicated that he would be reducing his racing schedule. Barner did significantly back off his racing in 1980. He insisted that he was just a guy who enjoyed running. I still don't feel like I'm number one. I try not to let anything affect me. I don't need trophies or wins or anything. It's something I enjoy doing. In 1980, the six-day race returned to America after being away since the very early 1900s. Ed Dodd, a math teacher from Collingswood, New Jersey, had been researching the early pedestrian races of years gone by and became acquainted with Don Choi, a postman from San Francisco who put on a 24-hour race and the first modern-day 48-hour races in Woodside, California in 1979. Dodd went out to those races and stayed with Choi, where they talked about the six-day races. On January 4, 1980, Choi hosted the first modern-day six-day race. Troy's race was held on a track at Woodside, California, and he won with 401 miles. You got me going inside. Two months later, also in 1980, Dodd organized his own race, the Edward Payson Weston Six-Day Go-As-You-Please Invitational Track Race, held on a cinder track in Pinsaken, New Jersey. Dodd recalled, We put the race together in about four weeks on a cinder track, built during the Depression and never kept up. We erected four big lights in the center of the football field and dragged the track. We had a card table where the runners would record their times themselves at the end of each mile, and a table with an ice chest for drinks. Each runner was on their own as far as aid, drinks, and food went. Six runners took part, and Choi won that first year with 425 miles. For the June 1981 race, Barner, age 37, decided to step up his racing mileage and enter the six-day race. Those going 250 miles or more would receive a belt buckle and the winner would gain possession of the Weston Cup in honor of the historic 19th century pedestrian, Edward Payson Weston. Thirteen runners started. There was some confusion right before the start, as they were assigned lap counters to each runner. Marcy Schwamm from New York, the only women competitor, joked, quote, I'm the girl. They should be able to figure that out. Conditions started at warm but not too humid with a breeze. It got up to 85 degrees on the first day. Schwalm led the race overall for the first 70 miles. Barner took the lead at mile 81 and posted the highest mileage that day with 128 miles. There were thick sponges soaking in a tub of water for the taking and cold drinks on a table, although many runners provided their own particular fluids. After the first day, Barner's strategy involved never being on the track for more than 12 hours per day, and then to rest at a motel nearby. At one point he was off the track for 15 hours straight, but while on the track he was a machine. On the last day after he broke choi's previous year's 425 mile record and adding five more for 430 miles he decided to not run for the last few hours he had a comfortable lead and watched from the stands in the end he won with 430 miles marcy schwamm also won with 384 miles and placed second overall at the 1982 weston barner ran again his first lap took him 11 minutes 14 seconds because he paused on the back stretch to help his wife finish setting up their tent he ran a steady pace to reach 116 miles after the first day he then changed his strategy and chose to stay away from the heat of the afternoon each day and use that period as his rest sleep time he was never on the track from about 2 p.m to 11 p.m barner essentially made it a personal stage race for himself that is while his competitors were going as they pleased barner kept up a consistent regimen of one long motel stay each afternoon followed by a single long run each night and morning when he was on the track his nine minute mile pace for hours and hours let him rest longer With a couple hours to go he stopped at 444 miles liking that number but then added one more mile when he learned that australia's joe record had done 444 miles the past november in england his racing strategy broke the modern day american record barner was an ultra running legend one runner at weston commented i got to run with him and enjoyed talking to him He's the first ultra marathoner I ever heard of, so I was glad to meet him. Barner ran in some crazy long races across states. He entered a September 1982 500-mile stage race along much of Lake Michigan. Freshwater highway coming down from Canada, all around the shoreline, you can hear them sing. The Say Yes to Michigan race started in the northern reaches and headed to Detroit in the south. They were allowed 16 hours of running each day from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. Park had acquired a mysterious back spasm, which at one point had him hanging from a tree to relax his spine. The next morning, after a collision with a skunk from which he somehow escaped odorless, he was back to normal. He won the race in 6 days, 6.5 hours, and was the only finisher among the three starters. As Barner reached age 43, his 50-mile time increased towards 7 hours, and he knew that he was getting older. Shortly after that, he retired from running ultras at that early age. One can only wonder what he could have accomplished if he would have started running the trail 100-milers that were springing up at the time. He probably could have excelled with his controlled metronome pace. But Barner participated in other activities as an outlet for his intense drive to excel. He was an amazing bowler and once bowled 39 games and averaged a score of 199. Once he retired from running ultras, by the 1990s his mileage dramatically dropped to as low as 10 miles per week. He did continue running some marathons. About 1994, Barner took up horseshoes and excelled, competing at a very high level. By 2000, he was competing regularly at the World Championships. It's a very competitive sport. We have 44 states represented in this particular event, and we also have competitors from Canada, and earlier this week we had competitors from Switzerland. By 2007, he was a nationally ranked ringer. He competed that year at the National Senior Games. When he was 63, he still ran a few days per week, but he no longer tried to compete, just finished marathons. He estimated that he had run 83,000 lifetime miles. One reporter observed about his horseshoe throwing. Barner looks younger and fitter than most of his competition and the look in his eyes suggests he is totally focused. Ask him if he tried other sports, he replies without fanfare. I was once one of the best ultra-marathoners in the world. Barna reflected. I try to be humble, but the older I get, the more I think about these things and what I did. I look at my logs and I think, did I really do that? Yes, he did. In his heyday, he ran 50 miles in under 6 hours 19 times. He ran at least 100 miles in about 13 races during his career, and his personal best 100-mile time was 13 hours 40 minutes. Barner still ran about two marathons per year, but said that pitching horseshoes took up too much of his time. One day a year, I go out and try to make a thousand ringers. It would usually take him 8 hours. In 2012, Barner was inducted into the American Ultra Running Hall of Fame. In 2019, he finished the Harrisburg Marathon for the 47th time. He had finished it in every year it had been held. He walked nearly the entire way and was more than 5 hours slower than the first time he ran it in 1973. He graciously allowed all 653 other participants to cross the line ahead of him. In 2020, Park Barner was 76 and living in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. With that, this is Davy Crockett and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, And most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.